This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What up? How's everybody doing? Hope y'all are doing good, doing good. Uh, I am doing really good. And I was actually going to tell you this story earlier before we hit record, but then we got sidetracked. Um, I had a really interesting moment related to um, spiritual formation hmm. the other night. I had had a fairly decent day um, where I was able to monitor my busyness and also um, find time to spend with the Lord and all those things. Okay. Um, it was a fairly decent day. Um, and what I like to do on these fairly decent days um, is I like to get a whiskey and a cigar or a pipe or something to that effect and go sit down by the river in my RV park <clears throat> and just, if I can, look up at the stars. Um, and I'm watching the stars and I see off in the distance, I see the little dipper. Um, it's hard for me to see the little dipper from where I'm at, but the big dipper is pretty easy to see. Um, so I, I've caught a glimpse of the little dipper and then there's a little flash in the corner of my eye. I look over, there's a freaking shooting star, dude. That's cool. I've literally the first... Shooting star I've ever seen in my life. And I was just like, God, thank you so much for creating a beautiful world. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. Um, actually. <clears throat> I'm open myself up to the Lord in that moment. To receive beauty. You know. And as the night went on. Um, just sitting with that and, and I guess staying in open communication with God all day long, he opened my heart to something that I had been struggling with and didn't even know how to touch. Mm. Um, I had a really big breakthrough that night and it all started because I opened my heart. Um, there's... There's something to, and now I'm, I know where Henry's going and where you're trying to lead up, so I'm not going to detour us much, but I am going to detour us a little bit. Um, there's just something about the way that beauty sparks breakthrough. Mm -hmm. um, I think for too long, we have undervalued the beauty and simplicity that is creation and the thing that God made to reflect himself. Yeah, I agree. So coming off of this paradox of being filled yet unfilled, 
our lives are filled with busyness, worry, um, anxiety, these sorts of things. But it does not, that fulfillment of those things does not lead you, your person, your spiritual life to being filled. Mm. Um, so this paradox of being filled yet unfilled mm-hmm. um, kind of leads Henry into this next thing. And I, I think what he does here in the beginning is really important to set up everything else that he's trying to do here. Jesus does not respond to our worry-filled way of living by saying that we should not be so busy with worldly affairs. He does not try to pull us away from the many events, activities, and people that make up our lives. He does not tell us that we, that what we do is unimportant, valueless, or useless. Nor does he suggest that we should withdraw from our environments and live quiet, restful lives removed from the struggles of the world. Jesus' response to our worry-filled lives is quite different. This is the important part. He asks us to shift the point of gravity, to relocate the center of our attention, to change our priorities. Jesus wants us to move from the many things to the one necessary thing. Jesus doesn't want you to become a monk necessarily Mm, 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 that's not mm. what he's asking you to do yeah he's not asking you to give up your job your family all of these things that you deem important um and that honestly are important he's not asking you to give these things up and to become a christian sojourner (laughs) right like that's not what he's doing he's wanting you to focus on what is the most important thing yeah and some would say that the most important thing is him, mm. Jesus. Henry makes a different point. Um, where is it? So what is the center? The center or the, the center? The center. Okay. Jesus calls it the kingdom, the kingdom of his father. Right? Um. So if you're reading in your Bible, what Henry's talking about is the kingdom of God or in the gospel, in Matthew's gospel, the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Um, he points that out here. I can't find it right now, but it's fine. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> he ends up saying here, um, a heart set on the Father's kingdom is also a heart set on the spiritual life. To set our hearts on the kingdom, therefore, means to um, make the life of the spirit within and among us the center of all we think, say, or do. Mm. To participate in godness is to set your mind on the kingdom. Um, This sort of sanctification, deification, however you want to talk about it, thing is happening, and you are now participating in godness, becoming more like God, and that is the center. That is the participating in the kingdom, in a way. Yes, 100%. I mean, for Jesus, the kingdom of God is 
it's literally what it's all about. Right. Like, I've come to announce that the kingdom of God is at hand. That's Mark. That's the beginning yeah. of Mark. Um, and uniquely enough, in Mark's gospel, Jesus jumps on scene. Mark's gospel is the only gospel written like a flippin' action movie. Like, from scene one, there's like bombs going off. Right. Like, Mark's gospel just drops you right in the heat of what's going on in Jesus' ministry. Um, and what's Jesus doing? He's healing people. Right. He's taking care of the widow and the orphans. He's feeding the hungry. He's doing the things of God mm. for the pursuit of God. And, and that's Henry's whole thing. Um, he wants to set up this chapter to break it down by how we see Jesus enacting the kingdom of God and what that then means for us. Mm-hmm. This week, we're going to talk about Jesus's life mm. and how in his life, how did he show how he was participating in the kingdom? And it's funny. Which also, if if you're confused about the whole kingdom of God idea, mm. because I do, I do think that a, this is not an easy concept to get. Um, I have a seven-part series on Pints and Perspective with a PhD in New Testament, my mentor, Ben Blackwell, on our podcast, Pints and Perspective. It's like one of the first series we did. So go back. We're at like 54 episodes at this point. So go all the way back to like episode like six or so, and you're going to find this series on the kingdom of God, which can help detail and kind of tell you this, this theological construct of what the kingdom of God is. Yes. Um, so, how he talks about um, Jesus' life is no different than how he would talk about our life. He said Jesus was obviously a very busy person. Yeah, no joke. Savior of the world. I think he's pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. He was busy teaching his disciples, preaching to the crowds, healing the sick, exercising demons, responding to questions from friends, from foes and friends, and moving from one place to another. Well, Jesus's life was busy. That's the deal. You know, we always say this. What, what do busy people do? Busy people travel. Yeah. Jesus is always on the move. Very mm-hmm. rarely do you ever see Jesus sitting still for any, like, length of time longer yeah. than a couple of weeks. And... <clears throat> He kind of talks about that here more. He's got the Mark 1 passage here, uh, 32 through 39, um, where they brought to him all who were sick and were possessed by devils. Mm-hmm. And the whole town came crowding around the door, uh, yada, yada, yada. In the morning, after he heals and exercises all the demons, in the morning, long before dawn, he got up and left the house and went off to a lonely place and prayed there. Um, That's a big moment in Mark's gospel. That yeah. That... That kind of phrase, and he went away alone to pray, mm-hmm. becomes a motif throughout not just Mark's gospel, but several of the gospels. Matthew, specifically, if you ever read Matthew's gospel, the important parts happen on a mountaintop. Literally, like all the most important things in Matthew's gospel happen on a mountaintop. And right after every one of those important things that happen on a mountaintop, Jesus goes away alone to pray. Yeah. Like it becomes this kind of constant motif throughout the gospels that Jesus needs to get away from everyone to refuel alone in prayer. And also that there is a beginning and end to it as well. 
there is because this here um so jesus goes off to pray the disciples come looking for him and says everybody's looking for you he answered let us go elsewhere to the neighboring country towns um so that i can preach there too because this is why i came Jesus came to heal the sick, exercise the demons, and preach in the synagogue. He did that. Time to move on. I accomplished the goal that the Father brought me here for. Jesus came to enact the kingdom of God, of which all of those are categorical representations of the kingdom of God, the the exercising demons, the healing the sick, the taking care of the needy, taking care of the widow, the orphan. all of those things, preaching the good news, the gospel, that the kingdom of God has come, all of that is an enacting of the kingdom of God, of which is what Jesus came for. Literally, Mark's gospel says at the very beginning, I came so that I might announce right. that the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. <clears throat> and and Henry talks about this here. He says, everything we know about Jesus indicates that he was concerned with only one thing, to do the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. He makes that very um, clear in John's gospel. Yeah. And <laughs> he calls it a single-minded obedience to his Father. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I like that phrase, but... That's because you're given over to post-modernity. Yeah. But that's exactly what the gospels portray of Jesus. Right. And then he gives all of these examples here. From, did you not know that I will be about my father's business? Um, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. John 5, for I did not come to do my own will, but the will of the Father who mm-hmm. sent me. Uh, yes, that is talked about somewhere around here. Um, but my word is not my own. It is the word of the one who sent me. And acting the kingdom of God is pursuing the will of the Father. Mm. Always, always. Now, we can debate on that all you want. That's not the point of this. The point is enacting the kingdom is doing the will of the Father. So Um, what is the will of the Father? Well, that's what I was trying not to get into. (laughs) Um, Well, we got six minutes left. Oh, jeez. We got to talk about it eventually. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that conversation gets really convoluted. Nope. Well, in what? Okay, wait, wait. Let me rephrase. I'm not. No, let me rephrase. Why does it get convoluted? I want to use a term that might be offensive to some people, but I'm going to refrain. Um, it gets convoluted because of poor theology um, and oppressive people. I don't know that you're offending anyone except oppressors. Well, the word that I was going to use might be a little bit more offensive. It's one that um, the new evangelical uses often. <laughs> if you know, don't use. It. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you don't, go look up the, the, the new, new evangelical, and you'll figure out what I meant. Yeah, <clears throat> well played, son. Well played. Um, no, I think, and we're gonna we're gonna go away from Henry for a minute. Um, for me, when I, when I read the Gospels, Luke's Gospel is my favorite Gospel, um, and I can I, I mean I, I know exactly why. 
It's not my favorite gospel because it's the most well-written gospel. Mm. I think there's beauty in all the gospels and in, in the, the, the construction, the literary form. For me, Luke's gospel is my favorite because of the message. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is the epitome of the king for the outcast. Right. Um, Jesus is um, the ultimate underdog fighting for the underdog, the oppressed person in Luke's gospel. Um, And for me, I just, I love it. I'm at a place in life where I don't like hierarchy. I don't like power. I don't like any of it. It, it, Get rid of all of it. Let's just. Like peace, love, and happiness. Like get get rid of all the power and hierarchy. Like peace, I, love, I've, and positivity. That's like, right. That I've turned good. into a hippie. Like I don't care about any of it. Like yeah. get it all out of here. And so Luke's gospel really speaks to me. And for me, the like one of the climactic moments. I think Luke's gospel has three climactic moments. One of the climactic moments in Luke's gospel, I think, like epitomizes what it means to live out the kingdom of God. And it's the first sermon Jesus ever preaches. This is in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. When he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. He stood up to read, which any Jewish man could do. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Now the text doesn't tell you this. This is from Isaiah 61. You should go read it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news yep. to the poor. Yep. Good news, gospel, kingdom of God, all synonyms of one another. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah. For me, Wellhouse Church, that's the epitome of the kingdom of God. Yeah. If Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me and anointed me to do this work, this good news, gospel, kingdom of God work, what is it? It's five things, five very important things to bring good news to the poor. I mean, not to get too political on this, but Clayton, what's what's good news to the poor? Something warm. A hot meal, maybe some free health care. <laughs> like, like, not to get too political, but like... yeah. Like, like don't yeah. don't think that your politics are removed from your theological ethic because they're not. They, but mm-hmm. <laughs> good good news to the poor, release to the captive. Yeah, that's huge for me. Why do I not believe in the death penalty? Why do I not believe in capital punishment? Because number one, I don't believe in taking people's opportunity for redemption away. Right. But number two, because we're told to release the captive, not kill them. Number three, recovery of sight to the blind. We should care about the body of people. Yes. We, we should care about what's going on. Their physical well-being and, yeah. 
to let the oppressed go free. I live in Texas. No qualms about living in Texas, except for the way we treat immigrants. I personally, this is me personally, believe that Texas, specifically our border cities, oppress immigrants. Yes. And want to let the oppressed go free. And I want to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Um, there's a certain beauty that comes with the gospel, certain beauty that comes with the kingdom of God that we're announcing favor and blessing and grace and life and life abundant and all of this beautiful imagery that we miss. And this is why I started the podcast with, on, on this topic when you were talking about it is because there's a certain euphoria found in the beauty. Mm-hmm. The, the, the beauty is the Lord's favor. Yeah. I mean, everything about the world that we've been given outside of the brokenness, outside of the corruption, outside of the evil, outside of all the terrors of the world is the Lord's favor. So to really quickly wrap this up, there's one more important thing that is going to set this up for you. In Jesus pursuing the kingdom of God, in pursuing this, what Cullen was just talking about, he opened himself to the Father. That's why I told the story that I told. Yep. He opened himself up to the Father, and the Father opened up to him. Um, the father opens himself up totally to the son and puts everything in his hands, all knowledge, John 12, 50, all glory, John 8, 54, all power, John 5, 19 through 21. I came from, this is Jesus's words in John 16, 28. I came from the father and have come into the world. And now I leave to go, uh, leave the world to go to the father. His whole existence was serving the Father, entering into the kingdom and opening himself up to the Father so the Father could open himself up to him. This happens in love. Mm, Yep. That's Henry's point here that I'm not going to dive into too much. Um, Actually, I'm just going to read this. We will never understand the full meaning of Jesus' richly varied ministry unless we see how the many things are rooted in the one thing, listening to the Father and the intimacy of perfect love. That is how Jesus enacted the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about this next week. That's how we should, too.